Well, good morning. Praise God. Hello, everybody online watching, those on podcast or listening. Praise God. Good to see you today. Um, well, I have the privilege today uh, on bringing the seventh topic in this uh, creed series that we've been on. And we've been examining what is called the Apostles' Creed, uh, based on the book that Pastor Walt has uh, written that we were using. If you haven't picked up a copy yet, please do so. I think they're for sale in the lobby. Um, it's uh, extremely good follow-up reading. He goes in a lot more detail on things that are really worth listening to and reading. Um, and of course, uh, we have had other messages on this series. Some of the earlier messages have given up in introductions, foundations for this creed. Uh, so you can always listen to them on podcast. Uh, so right now we're in the middle of the creed series here. This is number seven, week seven. So I'd like to read to you the creed where we're up to today and pick up. And it tells us here, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, yay, seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Let's pray. Father God, we just invite Holy Spirit today to be our teacher, to speak to our hearts, that I would not interfere, Father, with what your spirit would want to do. That, Lord God, you would make a connection to the hearts of uh, these fine folks, Lord God, um, from your word, from the uh, truths of your word, Father God, that we would leave here, Father, um, with a greater conviction of who we are as believers and what we believe and why we believe what we believe. That, Lord God, in the days ahead, we would be used of you, Father, in our generation. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my topic today is, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So I guess you can see I've been assigned a very happy and cheery topic. But in reality, um, it's a very serious, sober topic that we're looking at here. Extremely serious and sober. Uh, the judgment. Judging the living and the dead. Wow. It's directly related to the very previous line we read in the creed, where that we have Jesus, uh, the risen Christ, seated at Father's right hand. This shows us that it's, he's in a position of authority, eternal authority here that's been granted to him, granted to the Son. And he will eventually, at the end of time, use that authority, bringing a final judgment on all those alive at that time and who have been alive in ages past. Um, a very heavy statement here. In other words, the judgment of God. So when we look at this here, um, scripturally in this context here, uh, this is your first fill in the blank if you're uh, moving along here, the little page here. And it is, this is referring to what is called the great white throne judgment. When you read that line in the Apostles' Creed, this is the great white throne judgment. At this judgment, uh, believers are not present. Now, there are some in Christianity who think they are, but if they are, they're spectators. Uh, this is a, a judgment, an eternal judgment, on all those who are Christ rejectors in human history. All the Christ rejectors of human history, it's a judgment upon them. Jesus being all God, all man, he is man. He is qualified to judge, but as a judge who has sinless. And here we have him uh, bringing forth this final eternal judgment. You know, before we look at this, it's very important, to, I think, 
strongly. We look at a scripture I had mentioned a few Sundays back. Uh, it's on your memory verse there. Is John chapter 5, verse 24. We should really look at this. It starts out with Jesus saying, truly, truly, which is an Aramaic expression of the first century, which means you're not going to believe what I tell you. So I have to tell you up front, I'm not lying. Because usually Jesus, when he says this, he drops bombshells on people. And here's one of them. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Yay! That's good news. That's where we go. That's, that's good news for the believer, um, which is why I hope um, those who are listening today, here by in, in church or in podcast or live online, we get this. Uh, here Jesus tells us, we do not, the believer, we do not come into judgment. You really got to get that. A lot of people that, that say they believe in Jesus, he's their savior, fear judgment one day. We have already passed out of judgment because of him. So you're filling the blank number two. Because our faith is in Jesus, we have passed out of judgment. Jesus took our judgment for us. Very important we get that. He took our judgment for us. Because of Jesus, when the Father looks upon us, he is pleased and smiles, not because of your behavior or my behavior, but because he sees Jesus first. Amen. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We really got to get that. The great white throne judgment is a judgment unto damnation. This is not for the believer. We have passed out of that type of judgment. We don't come into that judgment because Jesus took on himself on the cross, my judgment for me, that no punishment would be due me. The, the punishment I should have had, he took for me. I always liked the, uh, <clears throat> the line the director Mel Gibson once did when he did the, um, the movie, The Passion of Christ. I guess a lot of people here have seen that film, Passion of Christ. Some snotty reporter was uh, talking to him one time, trying to trap him or something. Well, who put Jesus on the cross? Was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? And Mel answered quickly, I put him on the cross. I put Jesus on that cross. My sin put him there. I went, pretty good, Mel. I like that. Wow. I'm surprised. Pretty good. Yeah, my sin put him there that he would take my punishment for me. That's very important we get this, that we see, you know, the New Testament through the eyes of the, of the, the reality of the redemption that we have in Christ. If you don't realize you're a redeemed man and woman, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away, all things have become new. I am the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did for me. You won't get the New Testament. And that really good news, the gospel, God, the word gospel means good news. The good news is I have passed out of judgment if I put my faith in him. That's so incredibly serious. So the believer is a Christ acceptor. Not a Christ rejecter. And we have a reward one day judgment coming our way. A judgment for rewards. That's called the Bema throne judgment. Uh, rewards of what fruit I have done in the body of Christ. From correct motives, hopefully. Based on the love of God in me. Uh, operating in me. We'll talk about that a little bit later today. But we need to realize it's not, we do not have a judgment onto damnation. 
when we look at this. These are heavy words here going to be spoken. So what is this great white throne judgment? Revelation chapter 20 here, verses 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence heaven and earth fled, and no place was found for them. Wow, at the end of time, earth is gone. It's a, the earth we live in is a temporary place. Heaven right now is a temporary place. It's not the final eternity for the believer. The Word of God tells us it's called the New Jerusalem in the end of the book of Revelation. It goes on here, verse 12, and I saw the dead, the great and the small, that is in the eyes of men, the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds, and the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades were, uh, gave up the dead that were thrown in them. In, in, in with them. And they were judged, each one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Hell or today is a temporary place. Lake of fire, a permanent place. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone name, one's name is not found written in the book of life, he is thrown into the lake of fire. Wow! This is what that line of the creed is referring to that there is a final judgment one day and uh, for all those who have rejected who the Messiah is. So what do we learn from this in the book of Revelation? Well, several things, just a few to highlight. First of all, uh, I think that's your third fill in the blank. We see here this Jesus, this risen glorified Christ, he is in a position of authority, which is an eternal judgment will come upon, from which an eternal judgment will come to humanity. Okay, from him, there will be a final judgment on humanity. The second thing we learn here is that all humanity's deeds are recorded and remembered. Isn't that something? The words, the uh, actions, uh, the whispers that no one thought anyone else heard. Yes, even those cell phone conversations, all that kind of stuff. All remembered. And the third thing here we see is, first of all, we ask, ask the question, well, how about the believer's words and deeds? Um, we're going to see soon that these pages of that book have already been dealt with for the believer before this event. The blood of Jesus has already washed away all the wrong spoken and done. They are now deleted. Amen? Amen. Why would we, how could we then pass out of judgment and then still find more judgment on words? Jesus took it all for us. So we'll talk more on this later. Praise the Lord. We've all said dopey things. We've all done dopey things. We've all done things we were ashamed of, said things we were ashamed of. Thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Amen. But number four here we see, for the Christ rejecter, the judgments on their deeds mean they all fall short of what God requires. All the deeds that people think that are good can't earn favor with God. We can't earn our way to heaven. Uh, that, it's just not biblical. We can't do that. Islam teaches that you have two angels on your shoulders, and they're called recording angels. And one recalls all the bad things you do. No, I'm serious. One recalls all the good things you do. And when you die, the angels have an argument. <laughs> and whoever wins the argument, that's what happens to your eternity. It's an error based on works. Not by truth of the Word of God. 
Uh, does anybody know who Andrew Carnegie is? Who knows the name Andrew Carnegie? Oh, a few of you do. You know in history. Andrew Carnegie used to own Carnegie Steel, which later was sold to J.P. Morgan, and it became then U.S. Steel, which is still here today. And uh, Carnegie lived the life of, um, of using other people's lives to advance himself, uh, earned his money on the back of other people's suffering. So he must have been highly guilty at the end of his life because how he lived. So he sold Carnegie Steel, and they asked him, what are you going to do with all this money? And at that time, it was the largest corporate transaction that had ever taken place in history. It was worth, I think, $400 million. Turn of the century, that's big money. And um, he said, I'm going to give it away. You're going to do what? I'm going to give it all away. And he used to give people libraries. So he, did your school have a library? No, I'll buy you one. And he would buy them a library for their school. And, and that's what he did. He gave all his money away with libraries. And they said, why are you doing this? Carnegie said, well, you know, at the end of life, if your good works are worth more than your bad works, yeah, just make it in. Who's heard that? That was Andrew Carnegie. That is a lie. You can't buy heaven. All the good deeds you think you might have can't get you there. You can't buy your way in by being just a good guy. It doesn't work like that. That was a lie that is still in our society today and believed by many today. Wow. At this great white throne judgment, no one here is saved. None. Also, we see here, the last point here, number five, uh, is that all we have here is an unending eternity of torment that never ends with a great, great intensity of suffering. Now, so much can be said about this, this eternal torment, not of all of Christianity is in agreement about it. Is this literal? Is this symbolic? Um, the understanding here that this is an eternal torment beyond our human comprehension. I would personally lean towards this is symbolic because my pea brain can't understand the, the level and intensity of the torment that waits the Christ rejecter. All the current hell that is known is a temporary place for uh, uh, a waiting place for Christ rejectors to the great white throne judgment here takes place. Consider it's like an eternal prison for eternal criminals who have rejected Jesus. And this eternal court uh, sentence is the true judgment. Um, we can't begin to imagine what this is, could be like. Probably the greatest torment is to be eternally separated from God, remaining in an eternal darkness. It's beyond our, 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 our comprehension, again, what that type of suffering is like. How do we understand such a thing as this? It's really very hard. I think we have to have a personal revelation from God given to us. And every now and then you meet people that get a personal revelation from God, and it teaches us through what God showed them. Uh, I remember we had a brother here in the church uh, many years back. He's moved to a different state with his wife. I uh, think they live down south. And he told me when he was a young believer, you know, uh, people ask God, oh, Lord, show me this, show me that. And a lot of people was common. They would ask, oh, Lord, show me all about heaven. You know? And he said, I don't want to know about heaven. I trust God. I want to know about hell. I want to know about the sufferings of eternity. I want God to give me a revelation of that. And uh, people would ask the brother, why would you ask for such a revelation from God? And he said so that he would have a compassion created in him to have a concern for all those that don't know Christ as their Savior. All those he's going to meet in the days ahead that don't know Christ. 
He wants a picture of what they're going to suffer so that he would care now. That the Lord put a care in him truly for souls. Because a lot of us, if we're honest, I'm not going there, I don't care. We have to care beyond ourselves. When we become believers, it's not about us anymore. It's about God using us in our generation that we live in to show the love and compassion of Christ. And when you consider people's eternity, what is a greater compassion that we can really have? Um, so it's such a revelation, you know, um, we would probably act very different. We would probably be motivated by the love of Christ with a true love and concern for people's souls. And of course, a true love like that would cause us to take action. Uh, it's a really heavy, heavy statement to consider. Um, so also for the believers here, you know, listening to a message like this today, um, I know a lot of folks are, you know, do really struggle in life greatly. They have deep troubles in life, very serious hurts that weigh upon them in a very serious manner. Most troubles of life are usually regarding health or finances or family relations, and they're big deals. I get that. Really big hurts. But uh, I wanted to just tell the believers to take heart. For the believer, just look around you today. This is as close to hell as it's ever going to look for you. It gets far better from here. Amen. And for the Christ rejecter, look around you. This is as close to heaven as it's ever going to look. It gets a lot worse from here. These are the truisms that we'll find. So for the believer here, <laughs> we look at Paul's words for the believer regarding judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, we'll look at verse 8 and then 11 to 14. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are one. He's talking about bringing forth the gospel. But one who uh, will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For no one can lay a foundation other than, than the one which is laid in Christ Jesus. Now, he, now if anyone builds on the foundation, because it's about our works now, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, stubble. Each one's works will become evident, for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each one's works. If anyone's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's works are burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet only so as through fire. What Paul is re, uh, telling us here is what was, is called uh, the believer's bema throne judgment. And it's a Greek word, B-E-M-A. And it's a judgment of our works. Bema is a Greek word which refers to the Olympics, the, the Greek Olympics of Paul's day. It was a seat elevated very high up where a judge would sit upon and look down and judge the contestants who just did their Greek Olympics and whatever that was, and uh, judge what kind of rewards they would receive. And that's what this is. Um, uh, so that we can understand that this side of heaven, what our rewards would be like, Paul uses contents of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Obviously, gold and silver and precious stones are something very, very important. And the wood, hay, and stubble are the insignificant things that don't really matter. Um, so it isn't like we receive ward, rewards. We go, look at me, I got more than you do. That's not the purpose. But the rewards that we would receive is so that we would worship our Savior with what he's uh, given us. Amen. Um, 
So obviously, uh, people have done things very unselfishly to promote the gospel. These are rewards like we would look at it as silver or gold in our lifetime. Or things that we do sometimes just so people can look at us and see us as super Christian, which are just wood, hay, and stubble. It's our own selfish pride. Uh, we, we, we've all had them in life, uh, you know, works of pride and ambition, and we've all had works of true unselfishness. And uh, only God knows that. We, we, we uh, should be judging ourselves, hopefully. We want to do it right, not wrong, amen. But only the Lord knows the true motives of why we did what we did. But the key here is this is not a judgment to see if we're worthy to enter eternity. That would be an Islamic view. We don't, we don't have that. God, no. We have already been found worthy because of what Jesus did. Jesus made me worthy. Jesus put worth in my life that I would be, a, as the Word of God tells us, a, fragrant, uh, unto, a fragrance unto the Lord. Uh, Jesus made me worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so we see here that um, Jesus already made us worthy by his works, and, and that's the key here, that um, this is not something that uh, I'm trying to earn from God. Here at this judgment, we're being dealt with as stewards and trustees. Those have to give an account of what they've been entrusted with. What did we do with our time, our talent, our treasure in this life? What are words? What are actions? What did we do with them? Did we promote the kingdom of God with them? Jesus tells us in, in, in John's gospel that we are expected to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. When you got born again, you didn't go poof into heaven. You're still here. Why are you here? Because you're here to bear fruit. Your purpose in this life is to live for the praise of his glory and bear fruit for the kingdom of God, not to live for ourselves. We are here to live for the praise of his glory, to produce fruit that remains for the kingdom. So what uh, fruit did we produce? And it says here it'll be uh, tested by fire. Obviously, if you heat gold and silver, all the junky stuff comes off, and all what's left is the true metal. But um, so we need to remember here, this is not being burnt up with a tormenting fire. Oh, God, I'm sorry I did that. That's not what this is about. Consider in Revelation chapter 1, it describes us to how Jesus looks now. And it's symbolic and metaphorical because our minds cannot comprehend the glory of the risen Christ now. But it speaks to us um, for, that in ways our human mind cannot comprehend his glory. And it gives us a picture here in, Roman, in the Revelations chapter 1, verse 14. It says, his head and his hair were like white wool, like snow. And his eyes, ah, those eyes, his eyes were like a flame of fire. Wild. So what's the point here? Very simply this. When you and I look into those eyes of love like a fire, it burns away all that's not of him in us. And the works that we've done that were not of him, not done in love, are, are, are gone. All that remains is the purity of the love that he's lived through our lives. This is a time of joy, not a time of pain and sorrow. This is a very different judgment. Right? Don't you want out of your life the things that are in the way? Yes, I do. I want all that remains to be of the Lord. Yes, of course. I'm trying to live for the praise of his glory. So that's the good news for the believer. There's rewards for us. I know some say, oh, I don't want any rewards. I just love the Lord. But it's going to be something you're going to want to have. 
It don't really tell us much about it, but it's worth something. And I think the worth is that we worship the Lord with it. Scripture tells us in Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, that, we, that many will receive crowns. And the purpose of these crowns is that we take them off and throw them at the Lord's feet and worship Him. Isn't that good news? I don't know if it's a true story or not, because there's so many odd stories on the internet. Um, but supposedly there was a story uh, when Queen Elizabeth passed away that when she was alive, uh, she had spoken to her pastor in her church, and uh, she said to him with a smile on her face, well, I hope Jesus comes back in my lifetime. And obviously this is an Anglican church, not quite sure how they think about this. Uh, okay, uh, he asked her, why? So I could take my crown and throw it at his feet and worship him. That's sweet. That shows you what she really believed. It's not about me. It's about my Lord and Savior. I like to believe that was a true story. So anyway, as we draw close, a close here to this message today, um, we need to look at these truths here. And what's most important question, I guess, for, for us to really uh, ask here that's important is have we received Jesus as our Savior? If we have, we have passed out of the tormenting judgment that is coming upon this world for the Christ rejecter. For the believer today, we have rewards in our future. We need to continue to serve the Lord here this side of heaven, serving Him with motivations of love, unselfishness in all that we say and do. Because you and I are agents to produce fruit. We're fruit producers, you and I. And Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. That means you and I are fruit inspectors. It's okay. Have a card. I am a fruit inspector for Jesus. Here's, here's my card. We all are there to inspect fruit, and we need to inspect ourselves. Do I am I giving fruit that will affect the kingdom of God for years to come? Um, however, if uh, those that are here today, or maybe listening online, hearing on a podcast, have not proclaimed Jesus as Lord of your life, please do not leave this building today until you've done so. There is no more important decision in a lifetime. And if you're listening online or on a podcast, call us up, send us an email, write us a letter, whatever. We want to pray with you that you are right with God. Nothing is greater on the face of this earth than to know you're right with God. Nothing. 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 So we'll have folks at the altar here uh, uh, to pray with you today, uh, to lead you in that confession of His Lordship. We don't pray to receive Christ. We confess Christ as our Savior. And that's an opportunity here. If, you, if you're here today and you're just not sure you did this right or you're not sure in your heart that you've done this, please, we want to pray with you. That's what these people uh, love to do. Pray with folks and uh, touch you in that time of, of, of your eternity. Now, this is a fact in the time of eternity here, the Apostles' Creed. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. On your um, little handout here, on the back of it, under next steps, I would encourage you as believers that we should always be grateful for our salvation. Of course, we have Thanksgiving coming up. It's November. It's a time to be very grateful. I don't know why I said yes, Lord, but I'm glad you chose me. I'm glad I said yes and didn't push you away. Maybe I was kind of dumb in the process, but I finally got to it to say, yes, you are my Savior. We should be grateful. It's time for us to ask the Lord to give us compassion for all those that we meet that don't know Christ. And again, if we're honest, we don't have the compassion we probably should have for, for those that are lost. I want it. 
Lord, you've got to give me a revelation. I want it. And of course here, if I had such a compassion, would I act differently? Right? We only act by what we really believe in our hearts. So also you can look at what we don't do as a picture of maybe that what we just really don't quite believe. We've got to get there. We've got to get there where it consumes us, that people's eternities do matter. Mine's in the Lord's. I'm fine. How can I be so selfish to think somebody else's I don't care about? And you know, one of the greatest things you could do is prayer, honestly. I'm not saying you have to go out and be a willy witness. I mean, prayer is one of the greatest things you can do. Anybody remember the uh, great Chinese Bible teacher, Watchman Nee? Uh, and he read his books. I read, I've read a lot of Nee. Watchman Nee had a hit list in his life. All those that need to receive Christ, their relatives and friends. And he would pray for them constantly. And when they received Christ, put a line through their name. And he go to the next one. And um, later in life, he ended up in prison, a Chinese prison, because he was a Christian. And he was later executed, martyred for being a Christian. But he had come to a point in his life where the entire list was taken care of. I forgot what it was, except for one or two people. And he lost his life. He's in heaven with great return, awards, uh, rewards that we couldn't even imagine. But within a year after his death, those two people came to Christ. So your prayers mean everything. Don't go to heaven alone. Make sure you take a family with them. Make sure you care enough to pray for lost loved ones and friends. Even if you never meet them or talk to them, your prayers do something in the spirit realm to pull the grace of God down on their lives. And it really does. It really does. And uh, if we don't do that, who will? Who will? I don't know what your life is like, but I guarantee you somebody prayed for you. You may not even know who they are. But somebody prayed for you somewhere that you would find Christ as your Savior, and you responded. And the rewards that they have, which you are their fruit, only God knows. I'm sure some pastors will go to heaven one day and thinking they're going to get a reward for whatever church they did, and they'll go, oh, sorry, that was given out already. What do you mean? Oh, there was two old ladies that have been praying for years. They wore uh, calluses on their knees praying for a church to come to that area. The church is there because of them. Huh. You were the gift sent. Oh. Oversim oversimplifying, but hey, who knows? Who knows what prayers you've done that have affected this world that you will not know until you're in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray here. Father God, that we would be a people, Lord, so grateful for the salvation we have. Knowing, Lord God, you, have, you would even bless us with a, a rewards Bless us, Father God, for co-laboring in your field. And Father God, we ask you to give us a true heart to love those that don't know Christ as their Savior. They're not our enemies. They're people who need to find Christ, for an eternity of torment awaits them as Christ's rejectors. Father God, give us a great spirit of salvation, Father God, poured out on this town, this county, Lord, this state, this country that we live in, Father God. Father, may uh, you add on to our numbers daily here at our own church, as it says in the book of Acts, that, Father God, we would see uh, the many come to know Christ as their Savior, Father. Use the people, Father, of this congregation as those that would sow, Lord, into the lives of those that don't even know Christ yet. Give us faith, Father God. Give us the compassion, Father, to do such things. 
Lord God, use us in the day we live in to honor your name. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.